0: This is the Acts 2028 podcast, where two young Church of God pastors discuss the challenges and victories we
1: face in leading revitalization. I am TJ Samuel. I am Brian Seidel. I am in an urban context in Seattle, Washington. I am in a suburban and rural context in Boise, Idaho. I am in a
0: liberal state. I am in a conservative state. My ministry background is in missions. My ministry background is in youth ministry.
1: And yet, we are both in our first lead role.
0: Help God revitalize the existing church
1: in the Pacific Northwest. We are helping each other. And you. To truly live out Acts 2028.
0: 20, well, TJ, here we are again for our next episode. And just like it seems to be normal for us the last. Couple times we've had to reschedule and move around because we, again, our it seems like our lives and our schedules are still just as crazy as they've always been. And uh, again, for me, right, I was out of town the first part of the week, which also means that I'm working extra the last part of the week. So that is kind of where I'm at right now. How's everything going for you?
1: Yeah, we are adjusting, uh, just trying to figure out planning school years and stuff for our kids. Um, and what does that look like for the next part? As we are still, um, even though things like CDC has opened up uh, areas where those have been vaccinated don't have to wear masks, we just still, uh, in Seattle, we're still required to wear masks. It feels like almost everywhere. And so we're just trying to navigate through uh, the current times as well as just trying to figure out you know, those things of what does that look like for our kids with school next year? Uh, because yeah. they've come out and already said they re- they anticipate requiring those masks in school all next year already. Um, just the things that we've been dealing with. So yeah, kind of more of the same, but yet how do we navigate and move forward uh, in a phase that reengages with the community?
0: So, sure. Yeah, you know, and you think about that, like you said, as, as we're trying to figure out what do we do? What do we not do? What do we, require, you know, require a mask? Whatever. Which I mean is the same question we've been dealing with now for a year, right? But, uh, but again, every time the next piece of news comes out, then we have to adjust to that. And I was just thinking, literally today, kind of part of the the schedule that I'm dealing with is uh, we had a funeral at our church this morning, and literally had almost 200 people in our sanctuary, which which is the the biggest single gathering right that i think we've had in it and in, um, since you know pre-covid and uh, again just an odd feeling of of having that many people and you know there was a few masks that was there people that you know decided to but um again in idaho we have a lot less restrictions and, and things have been lifted a lot earlier you know even before nationally so we had, um, you know, there's not that requirement, but some still had masks, but definitely there was no social distancing happening today at this funeral. And so it did kind of feel feel a little bit odd. Uh, but again, with that said, it's kind of our, our transition into what we're going to talk about today is, uh, again, this funeral we had for this uh, incredible man today. He, and he was 95 years old when he passed just uh, a week ago. And yet, I'm truly a pillar of our church and uh, a man that had a very strong faith and a strong presence in our community. Um, And with that said, right, is he, uh, he's been a part of Oregon Trail for, uh, I mean, I'm, I I think literally, I think I'm the third lead pastor that he has had, right, since he's been a part of the church. And, and uh, none of the pastors before me were short-term pastors they were all you know there for 20 plus years uh, before I was here and so again i guess for the last six years of his life i was his pastor but there was definitely um you know long term so all that to say is that he was definitely uh, a, a very core part of the church and they like said it was it was it was fun drew to honor his life and his faith and and hear the stories and all the different things that he experienced in his 95 years on this earth but But it does bring up this interesting topic, right, of as we come into an existing church and especially through a revitalization or for a new phase of leadership, even at the least, is how can we bring new vision into a church and bring it, you know, uh, a new season of leadership without insulting the past? And that is a big question.
1: Yeah, I I think those are some of the things you juggle, right? Is honoring those that are there. um, And, you know, being able, like you said, an existing church that's always uh, the objective is to build upon, stand on the shoulders of those that have gone before you, as opposed to like a, a church plant. They don't have that history, they don't have some of those things that they have to navigate through. But um, honoring those uh, and utilizing those things. And if done right in this revitalization, sorry, uh, part of this, um, you know, we can learn something. We have those that are there. You know, I mean, I think back of how people learn and, and not just the way that we do it with discipleship, take that out of, uh, into a different context, but think of uh, trade schools and things like that where people spend time under someone and just learn how to do that trade and do it well. Um, you know, if done right, that discipleship can also take place in a, in a Christian context, but those that have walked with Jesus, uh, whether that's, uh, through three pastors that have been there over 20 years or otherwise, that they can just navigate that. Um, and we have some, some peace there that, that, that staying power. I think one of the things that I appreciate, even though, you know, we've only been here a year, um, our church has been around for over a hundred years. And so when I'm talking to people about Jesus um, when they're coming into our building that was built in 1906, when they look at those things, um, there's something to be said about that in a day in an age in a culture where everything seems like a fad or the app of the week or or something that is here today, gone tomorrow. um, There's something that's bigger than ourselves that stood the test of time and that, irks some curiosity i think even within folks that are non-believers um that the passing things uh, they've kind of seen that already and so something that has legacy that's part of it if done well we can celebrate those things we don't worship those things of course because they don't uh, always get there and we've talked about different books uh, you and i that have kind of talked about some of these topics and um some of the things that have got us there, like we talked about it in, in a podcast previous this, was canoeing the mountains. But some of the vehicles, even in that illustration, that have got us where we are today, might not be the same things that we can utilize to take the church to where we're going. And so that doesn't mean that we dishonor those things, that we don't, we learn from it. And maybe uh, just like the gospel, it doesn't need to change, but maybe the way that we communicate that to a new generation does. Uh, And so it takes just like a family. (laughs) You just said a funeral. I'm I'm reflecting on a 95 year old man. I'm I'm guessing when you've been around 95 years, you have quite a legacy of family that uh, generations that you've been able to see. And so how do we get them engaged? How do we have that? And as a family, uh, point them in that direction. So yeah, there's a lot of things going on in my mind right now. So I'm going to throw it back to you before I keep going all over the place.
0: <laughs> yeah. You, you know, as, as I think about that and, and it, like you said, you walk, as we walk into, especially an established church, if we are coming in with it's seeking new leadership and it is in a situation of a revitalization or, you know, where it needs new vision. Um, it, definitely, it's it can be a, a hard road to navigate or even to know, oh, hey, how, how do I communicate, you know, uh, a new vision? How do I bring new leadership? But yet without just pushing the old aside or insulting it in some way. And again, I think as a leader, like we're never going to come in, you know, intentionally like, oh, I'm just going to kick them out of the church. Right. But but yet, unfortunately, sometimes they can feel that way. Um, yeah. you know, if, depending on how we communicate it, depending on what we say, uh, it, I mean, there's some definite landmines and some traps that you can end up in. Right. I, I mean, un- unknowingly, right. And accidentally end up offending somebody. And, you know, when I remember when I came to Oregon trail and, you know, we've talked about how I'm, I've been at Oregon trail, uh, a little longer than you've been at Fairview. in fact, in, uh, just a couple of months, I will be finishing year six at Oregon trail. And, but one of the very first phases that, that we came in was when we started here again, I was a young, you know, young pastor, I mean, young family, my oldest son was just going into middle school. So, you know, again, we were dealing with, you know, elementary schools and just, you know, young family life. And, and yet the, the average age of the church of the congregation, when we came uh, was, was in their seventies. And so as we saw that again my kids right were literally doubled the kids' apartment on the day that we started here and so you know as we looked at that landscape though one of the things that I saw right off the bat was you know again how how great the people were here that had stuck with the church and kept the doors open and prayed for new leadership and and again, that, that, but they, I also sensed this feeling from them that they, they really desperately wanted to see the church grow. They really wanted to see a new season for the church and, and new vision and kind of all that stuff. But they also had this underlying fear. And that fear was that we'd bring a new vision, new families would start to come, that there are all of these things, and that they would get left behind. And they, obviously, you know, desperately cared for the church, deeply cared for the church. They had poured a lot of themselves into it. And and whether it be their financial resources, their volunteer time, uh, you know, their prayers, kind of all those things. And so I was sitting back as a leader saying, how do I honor that? Because I want to honor that. And I don't want them to feel left behind um, or left out of what the next phase of the church was going to be. And so, how do I navigate that as a leader, and especially being a leader where most of them were twice my age, even a lot of them were even older than my parents? And so, how, again, how do I lead them, and, and what kind of things should I be careful about, or how do I navigate, you know, through the kind of the minefield that that could be there? Um, and like you said, we've we've all talked about different books and different resources that we've used. Uh, for me, one of the books that I read when I first got to Oregon Trail um, was a huge help with this topic. And so I want to kind of introduce to it to something that they bring up in this book. But before we do that, I just want to say, I want to give credit where credit's due. This is not like my thoughts. This is presented in this book. And so the title of the book is How to Break Growth Barriers. And the authors is Carl F. George and Warren Bird. So they they co-authored the book. Um, And Uh, like I said, I I highly encourage this book. And I think for uh, it's helped me in many ways, I think, as I've led the church here. And I think, again, no matter what size of church that you are leading, um, or even the what size of church God makes your church as it grows, how big it gets. This book will be valuable to you, and, and it, it does show again just these different kind of growth phases and and barriers and and typical ones that you hit against in your growth cycle. Now, now, granted, I think in this last year it's kind of all been upended, and I think where uh, you know some churches because of COVID and the pandemic and 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 regulations and all those kind of things that we've talked about, I think churches have found themselves in different different growth cycles, right. And, and dealing with different things. But the kind of premise of, of this book is that different sized churches require different kinds of leadership in in different, different phases. Again, it's, if you're in a church, not that one is better than the other, but they are different. If you are in a church of 50 people and you are the only paid staff member, maybe not even full, full full-time staff member, you need to lead that church a little differently than if you're in a church, you know, larger church that has multiple full-time staff and, or a children's, you know, uh, the, you know, like, like you're dealing with at Fairview, right. Where you have kind of all these staff and, and things within the children's center and got kind of all that stuff, right. Like there's different leadership skills that you need based on these different sizes and on what barriers there are. However, there are also general concepts in this book that apply to every size church. And, and this concept I want to bring up is, is presented Um, in chapter eight in the book. And uh, right in the middle of the book, the main concept of this chapter uh, is this theory called the Berry Bucket Theory. And it it is one, like I said, that applies, I think, to every size church, but yet it is uh, just a general leadership principle about how can you lead vision Um, a new vision, right, into a new season of of growth and and of time within your church without insulting those that were already there. Now, obviously, all right, the hope, and I think that's even why they would bring in a new pastor, is they hope that the church is going to grow, that there's going to be new people coming. Uh, And so this concept, again, represents, and uh, just your whole congregation, um, but it it does um, show this um, kind of this, this divide which is probably too strong of a word cuz hopefully it's not a divide but but it, it is definitely the the potential right for this kind of split between your church and and which is with any new leadership that comes in it, is the first split is those that were present before the new pastor shows up they, and and those in this concept they these people are called former berries right because they were there formerly before the the pastor co- shows up and then the the other half is, um, are the newberries. And these are people that are new to the church since the pastor started, uh, as a leader. So we start off with just these, again, these kind of two, you know, two groups of people, right? These different buckets of people that, that it starts with again, everybody that was there before the pastor started, right. Which obviously was probably a part of the hiring process and the search committee and kind of all those kind of things, right. Is there, they're all former berries. And then the, the, then everybody who comes after the, the new pastor is hired are called new berries. So again, very pretty, pretty simple concept, right. Between that. And now the, the, The Both of these categories are also broken down in half again, and and probably not numerically in half, but they're split into each category, right? Former berries and new berries are split into two different categories, and that is based on the age of the pastor. So again, my when I came here uh, at Oregon Trail, again, I was a quote-unquote young pastor, right, to all of them, Um, and I was in my mid to late 30s when I started leading Oregon Trail. And so, uh, so you have your all your former berries who are there the day you show up, right? And they've all been there before you. But then we're going to split those into two different buckets now, those former berries of those that are the same age or younger than the pastor and those that are older than the pastor. And so in my context, right, when I was in my late thirties, when I came here, so everybody in their late thirties or younger, they would be uh, categorized as junior former berries, right? And everybody that was older than me, um, would be the senior former berries. Now we make again, this theory, makes the same distinction between the new berries, right? Those that come after the pastor is hired. And so we have the senior new berries, those that are older than the pastor when they first come, okay? uh, but are, have come new to the church since the pastor was hired. And then we have the junior new berries, those that are equal to or younger uh, than than the pastor, so so I, I think. Am I explaining this right, TJ? And is this clear, right? That we have kind of four different quadrants of people within the church.
1: Yeah, that was the uh, terminology I was going to use. There's the quadrants, and yeah, I'm looking at it. I have the luxury of having a book in front of me as well. Um, but yes, there are the the divide there of the, the younger and the newer uh, with older newcomers younger newcomers and then below that you're going to have older um, you know long termers or younger long termers is another part of to describe those barriers right yeah. so yeah you you you're there i'm i'm tracking you
0: all right good so now as we as we look at this right the 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 value of this idea is that each quadrant of people need a different style of leadership to feel included and that's, that's really the key. The fact is you can't just lead each quadrant the same and and expect the same reactions from them, right. Or the same support from them. Uh, now I said in the book, what they do is they, they look at these uh, these four different quadrants of people and, and they, they look at who are the easiest ones to lead, right. For the new pastor and who are the hardest ones to lead. Now they, they identify, right. That probably the, it it's, probably pretty obvious who the easiest ones to lead are and that is the uh, the junior newberries the ones that are younger than the pastor right equal to or younger the age of the pastor and that have come since they started because these are people again all of these newberries uh, tends to uh, to to naturally just follow without questioning, right? Whatever the leadership of the pastor, because they don't know anything different, right? They they have come into the church, and if they've stayed at the church, then they they recognize there's something about the church they like, and they they, they want to stay there, and so they kind of na- are naturally follow. Now also, there's just this underlying, you know, tension is intentions maybe too strong of a word, but this underlying issue that people just naturally have. And it's, I think it's part of the human condition of following somebody that is younger than them. And, and and for whatever reason, I don't know why that is right. But just, but we just feel that, right. We, we don't think that they know as much as we know. Right. And, or, or they're not as experienced, whatever it be. It's just like I said, this kind of subconscious thing that people do not naturally trust and follow leadership of somebody who is younger than them. But I mean, it's kind of the concept, right? Of like why the freshmen always get picked on, right? In the high school culture, right? Just because, well, because they're freshmen, right? I mean, there's no other reason, right? And so again, as we look at that, we have that kind of in play here. And so the easiest ones to lead are the younger newcomers or the junior newberries. right? Now, um, the, the second um, easiest ones to lead um are the senior newberries right the ones that are older now again there's kind of this subconscious thing but but yet they also don't have all of the history they don't have all of the the emotions all of you know all the things that are tied to the past of the church again all they know is what they've experienced from the day they showed up and that is this pastor right and that that style of leadership and so, so they again are not um, are not hard to lead, but but there may, may be a little bit of of this time where you need to earn respect from them if you are younger than them. But again, they this both of these quadrants tend to follow the leadership of the of the pastor uh, pretty well, right? And and of the board, and, and just again, what what has been there now? Um, again, the, the, it gives advice on how to to lead each quadrant. Now for the easiest one, they, um, is that, uh, these younger newcomers or the junior newberries, uh, it says that we just make, if you just make appropriate suggestions to them, right. And kind of bring them along in some of the decision-making process. Um, then they, they, they expect to follow your leadership. And so they, they have already established you as a leader that they'll kind of take what you say and they'll easily follow it. Now the difference here with the older newcomers um, is that you need to instead of um, you know just maybe be firm suggestions, is that come to them with a little more respect, right? They are older than you, and so if you present it maybe a little bit differently, right, uh, with a little more respect to them, it's more of a suggestion than a directive, right? Then you can come with these younger newcomers. Um, but also is that they need to they need to see that you know what you're doing. Right? And that you are making decisions based on research that you have done your homework. and, and they will tend to follow you very well if you can explain the decision making process and how you came to this conclusion. And what you typically, once they know that, these elder newberries, once they understand that, then they will typically follow you, you know and and follow well. And so, like I said, these, now these are the easiest ones to lead. And again, that's how you're going to create, you know, lead change with them. It is, um, you know, most, usually the younger newcomers, um, they're not going to probably question anything, right? They're just going to follow you. Um, the, the older newcomers, uh, the senior Newberries, they, they, they might give some questions, right? but once they understand that, that you the, the, valid, the valid, you know, suggestions you're bringing and why you got to that conclusion, they will typically follow you as well. Again, those are the easy ones to follow. Um, so uh, again, I don't know about you, TJ, but I tell you, this is a hundred percent been my experience at Oregon trail, right? Those that came to the church when, when I was not known as the new pastor, I was just known as the pastor. Right. And, and, and that was a huge difference in the way that they reacted to my leadership.
1: Sure. I mean, I, I think that those things are there. I think again, in a, Distinction, and we're talking in generalities here to some degree, but you have younger people, again, they don't have the life experience or context or walking, uh, maybe even in their faith for decades, they don't know um, what it's like, you know, personally in our life you know, along the way we have had, you know, four miscarriages and difficulty and God has had to show up in some difficult spots. And so when you look at it in that context, um, you know, you're very grateful for, like you said, you made the reference of people that might even be older (laughs) than your parents because they have that they've walked through that. They have a different perspective. Um, and just life. I mean, think of it, you know, I've got three kids that are a little bit younger. You have, uh, you know, Claire that's younger, but like with my kids right now at 11, 10 and seven, I mean, to them to wait for a birthday a year seems like forever, (laughs) you know, now that I'm getting in my forties and I'm sure if we were talking with the 90 year old, years just fly by. Right. And so there's a different perspective in time reference as those new people come in, even if they're older, they have some of that perspective they've been poured into, and if done right, they've been a part of a functioning uh, group that has um, you know, taught them something. So they're a little bit more seasoned. So they know they kind of have a, a baseline even as well. And so there's a little bit different parts. And when you come into the new ones, as you're getting ready to maybe explain those, one of the things that you have is what kind of circumstance are you coming into? Right. Because there could be uh, a whole bunch of different levels at which you come into a church. It could be healthy, like you described at one point that they could be yearning to see a new generation reached. That, that's a different one than um, refusing to change or wanting to change. Or I think when we came to Seattle, um, we had some pretty hardy people that had survived some more difficult things. They had been bigger. Um, they had gotten smaller. They didn't have a senior pastor for a while as they sought God and a new direction in that. And so like, I was super stoked to see some of those older ones because I knew even from an outsider perspective, uh, what they had to navigate through. They had to go through a valley to get there. And yes, I wasn't their first pastor. Many of those, like you said, that they can go back. One of the things we have here at Fairview is this uh, like heritage wall. And I should have counted them before I, I got on today, but there is you know uh, a legacy wall of uh, it's probably 15 plus pastors that have been senior pastors here since i believe it's like 1903 or, or something like that is the first one and so when you look at those things yes there are some of those that can look back and be like i've been here for four pastors <laughs> you know yeah. i'm a constant i pastors have come and gone but but i haven't and so yes yeah. that there are some of those things as we move into that other part of those that were pre-existing, but I think it depends on obviously who you come into our stories a little bit more in that way. Um, but I think, you know, really doing that and finding a common ground more so of like that part of when I got here, like, why are they here? What was the point? And even if like in your scenario, if they don't have a young family, then help them remember what that was like when they had uh, that core group of people. Because oftentimes, unfortunately, people shop for churches and stuff like a car. Like what options do they have? Do they have a youth group? Do they have a children's department? Do they have these things? Otherwise, if they don't, I might need to go to the church down the road that will help pour into my kids. And so um, there's just so many different layers to that. But I think, you know, how do we come in? How do we build, how do we get collateral and how do we not, like you said, tear something down um, that was there. So yeah, I like that. Um, Yeah. Go ahead. Hop back in on on some of those, those pieces in in an explanation, but yeah, I think knowing what circumstance you're coming into, we're talking sometimes in, in general parts, but I think if you have been in a situation like this, you can identify, you can kind of see the characters and see what role that they're kind of at. Even if it's not a a one size fits all, you might have a little bit of a different circumstance. Uh, The situation has been played out many times.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And so again, like you said, so we've kind of already covered the, you know, the new berries, right? The ones that show up after you are there as pastor. So now let's look at, again, the other side of, of the equation here, which is which are those people, right? That are former berries, those ones that were in the church before you get there, um, and these. So again, if the the easiest ones to lead, according to this concept, is the younger newcomers, right, the the most difficult ones to lead um, are the older long timers or the senior former berries, right? Those that are older than the pastor um, and that were there uh, before this the pastor started there. So now, now again, I, I, like I said, when I came into Oregon trail, this was the, I mean, 95% of the congregation okay, for me um, was now maybe more than that. I guess actually, when I think about it, but um, you know, the, but this, is these are the people, right. That, that are again, the, the pillars of the church, the ones that are there typically probably on the hiring committee, right. I mean, ones that you interviewed with that are, are doing that, the, the, these are the people though that can be the hardest ones to lead as a new leader. And, and so, um, again, be like you said, because some of them might have the attitude, right. Of like, well, I've outlived all the other pastors and I'm going to outlive you too. Right. And, uh, you know, there's, I mean, I've heard of that and seen kind of felt that a little bit, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, well, here's another one, you know, and, and again, some churches more than others, but, but again, you can kind of see that. And again, they are, Typically, the hardest ones uh, to lead or to get on board with a new vision, and I think because the point is, is that they don't want to be insulted, right? They're sitting there going, like, not that anybody wants to be insulted, but again, they're sitting back and being like, well, you know what? Don't just, uh, don't just forget about all the sacrifices that we've made. Don't don't forget about you know, again, the, the good times of the church. And like I said, you might even come into a church that is, is having good times. Right. And, and they don't want to see that change, but, um, that what, what this book presents, right. And the best way to lead them is that instead of, you know, um, making suggestions for changes, they said the more appropriate thing to do with these senior former berries is to ask permission. And this again it's it's kind of a subtle change. I, I mean, again, you're making the same ask, but if you come to them and say, "Hey, I I want to do this. This is what we're going to do." Again, they're going to have a very different reaction than than the the Newberries will have. But if you can come to them and say, "Hey, I'm thinking about this change. Do you think it would be good based on what you know about the church that I don't know?" Right. And come and kind of, you know, bring them into that, ask more permission about, hey, what do you think about this? Right. Putting them into the decision making process way earlier. Right, and now, again, I think, unfortunately, right, one of the things that the church, quote unquote, church, you know, leadership is is famous for. Right. Is dropping the bomb from the stage. Right. On a Sunday morning and say of all of the changes and just that this is what we're doing. And that is the worst thing you can do to this bucket of people is to not bring them in because that is when they will feel insulted. Uh,
1: And and again, this is kind of one of those things. And I obviously, I mean, I've I've gotten the book. It's on my reading list to continue on. But I think, you know, again, we look at these things with different filters. And I think this is one of the harder ones for us um, for a lot of reasons with this group in North America. I think this isn't as much of an issue. Like if we look biblically, we look at our elders, we look at um, those that played a significant role. But our culture in North America oftentimes becomes one of those things where um, out of sight, out of mind, right? Like there's a, a, yeah. a circle of life. Um, there is an element and this is the fear, right? Because what culture presents is when you get to a certain age and a certain time, you're no longer honored or respected. You're put in what is an assisted living or a nursing home to rot out the rest of your days. I mean, for a lack of a better term, that's how a yeah. lot of people feel about that, that their freedom has been taken from them, that they don't have the opportunity anymore. And these aren't the golden years that they were promised or sold. Um, sure. And so I think when you look at that moment, if you look at the dynamic of each group as they process and they work together, um, that can be a very difficult time for some people, especially in North America, as opposed to um, in other cultures. You know, you have multigenerational families living in the same house. Um, and so that way they are still in connectivity. They're still honored. They're still cared for, sometimes more so uh, than in North America. And, you know, I think some of that, uh, could be because we can give better healthcare and some of those things. And that's probably a whole nother, uh, you know, subject matter that we could discuss. However, you know, those are some of the things that we have to recognize that we're up against that those people have real concerns and, and being a shepherd, right? Like, I mean, it goes without saying, but we have to be this, uh, connectivity piece to all of these and understanding where they're coming from. And, um, growing up in the eighties, uh, to quote, um, uh, cartoon would have been, uh, knowing is half the battle GI Joe. And so I think what you're presenting here in these quadrants is really to say, Hey, no, understand your church. And as a pastor, like, as I'm listening to this and I'm receiving it, the only way you're going to do that is to have the conversation like you're doing and knowing where in the conversation to interject these quadrants or people represented by them to get them on board because there is a vision and hopefully with this older group, it's not like, yeah, we've heard this before. This is something else that someone else has tried. Uh, Don't do this to us. Even if they're just funny about it and like you know, have you ever heard the saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks? I just don't even want to learn them. Like, even if they're being yeah. funny about it, there is still this hard part that you have to help navigate. Um, and from a standpoint, like you said, there's just non negotiable tent stakes. I mean, we're, the same God is the same God from yesterday, today, and forever. Like there's not things we're changing about this triune God. Um, but like the way that that is alive for people. And I mean, I think some of the things that we talk about historically that fall into this part is going to be some of the ones that people would identify very easily that are going to be um, worship styles, hymns, all those kinds of things is how do we navigate through this? How do we move towards it? But um, you know, like, well, just for that part of, of hymns and different things of how we worship um, a question might be is, Uh, you know, people always say marriage, one of the best things is communication. Well, Gary Moore, that's just down the road from you uh, at Cloverdale says mutual understanding. And I know he's taught the class at at Oregon Trail as well, but mutual understanding. And so not only just the communication, but the mutual understanding of that. And maybe mutual understanding in that context may look something like, um, hey, we want to honor you and those things. And we'd love to do hymns, but just China, the art of negotiation here a little bit would be, can we, uh, instead of having five hymns, could we have three and two more contemporary songs in a blended service? If that meant that your grandkids uh, and kids would join you in the pew next to you or a chair or whatever you worship in. Yeah. And I think some of those things, like you're saying, is when do you have that conversation? What is that buy in? And reminding them, going back, pointing back to a time where, and they were the younger people, because I think, again, in North American culture with that family dynamic, some of the things that we've been sold on is, um, well, when you're the parent, you get to make the rules. And, and I've paid my time, I've done my, my you know, due diligence, and now I get to make those rules. But ultimately, yeah. um, specifically, like if we're going to quantify it with these, you know, junior Newberries, um, what we're finding is they didn't fight the same way that the older congregations did. You know, we would pray about it. We would talk about it. We would have um, discussion. And, um, you know, then it would create a unity after having those moments of praying and petition and going through it and figuring it out. Some of the younger people, man, they vote with their feet. They don't even engage at that level. And so, again, being aware of that and understanding that if we look around in our church and we don't have a lot of those junior berries for this illustration coming in um, part of that might be the way that they're already voting. And so how do we look at things transparently? So yeah, again, I know I'm rattling off here a little bit off that, but I think these are some of the things that we can identify and we can look at when we talk about these things.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. And I think, like you said, that mutual understanding um, is so important because especially with this group of people, these senior, Former berries, right? Because to them, what you might see as a young new leader is to you is a sacred cow, right? Like something that has had its season, but yet they just keep holding on to it. But to them, right? It is something that they have deep emotions tied to, that they have great memories of, right? And that to them, um, you know, some of them might have actually started it as the new idea. Again, just as we brought up kind of the, you know, the low hanging fruit example is hymns versus, you know, more contemporary music. And, and again, to that, why do they love that mute, those hymns so much? Well, because they have their, their family memories, they have their spiritual growth memories. They have all of those things tied to that music and tied to those songs. Yeah. And so, and so when we say, Hey, we don't want to do hymns anymore. Again, what they hear right, is, well, my story doesn't matter anymore.
1: I have no value. Uh, you know,
0: yeah, I, I, again, and, that, and so we, ha- as a leader, we have to, to, to take that into account, right? And that's where it comes to the asking permission part, right? Again, yeah. sitting down and having that conversation. And again, I've had this conversation so many times with people, even at Oregon Trail, about hymns versus not, right? And I was like, okay, we need to understand, right? That Like, I, I get hymns and, and we can do that. But yet the hymnal was written musically for an organ and we have a band that leads our music and so for guitars and drums and keyboards to play out of the hymnal is literally they can't do it i mean it was not written for a band it was written for an organ right and and, and to to adapt it to a band is not easy right Right. And and so again, even sitting down and having that conversation with them, right. And getting them to understand And and that is saying, so again, even from, from the posture of, Hey, let's have a conversation about this. I'm not saying that we can't do hymns, but even if we do them, we have to do them differently. Right. Right. Because we don't have an organ. Right. And, and so again, we just, we have to talk about that, but again, it's respectfully coming to that. And knowing that, um, you know, one, investing the time to have that conversation, Sure. You know, and, and also to, um, again, to come alongside them and, and help them give the vision and again, the permission of them to say, Hey, we, we, we want to move in a new direction. Right.
1: Right. Well, right? I think and,
0: and to, to kind of, you know, have that conversation.
1: It's to point people and give them a new perspective, right? That's what we're trying to show throughout when we teach people is a new way to see God, uh, right. That he's alive, that he's there, that he's still with us. Um, But I think when you see that, sometimes you look at that And furthermore, like one of the things I would say with hymns is this too, like, I mean, I love them. I think they're great from, from the standpoint of what they grew up with, but also um, like you got to remember that those were things that they held, like you said, near and dear to them because of their family and their heritage at that point. But at the same time, if we are doing our job of the great commission, which we talked about last time. Um, there are going to be new people that are coming to faith and their amazing grace might be something from Tomlin or something else, because that's that's what they identify with is when they came to deep faith. And that's not to discredit that those things weren't written by uh, King David and they're not directly from the Psalms. They are, and they're great. And it's not about the merit that they stand, but it becomes one of those things that are difficult. Right. And, I mean even in a city like this i mean i we try to figure out hymns and and can we even do like a a standalone on the hymn sing night or something to help still encourage that for those that really enjoy that piece but oftentimes too the melodic element of that when we talk about music could be one of those things where people are engaging with that and um you know like if you're cold off the street in the city like right now in seattle some of those things could seem like a chant and they could seem so different um, to a person like, where did I come? What is this about? And so being able to love uh, meet someone at their point of need, and then be able to share the gospel with them. I think these are all things that we have to consider. And again, that doesn't mean that they're bad. That doesn't mean that we should get rid of them. No, please hear that. So, but it's just the part where there's love, there's compassion. I think oftentimes as pastors, if you're listening to this as a leader Or as a lay leader, um, oftentimes you're going to find yourself in the art of communication to that word that we just said of mutual understanding. And once you can do that, once you can paint a picture of we're about Jesus as opposed to an agenda, um, man, I, I pray that the church would just run wild. Right. Like we would just be contagious. I know that's not a popular word, even as we ease out of a pandemic, but (laughs) that we would have that same kind of bigger that God would just have a, you know, a revival that would take place, that people would understand that, that all these things that we have this, because in that mutual understanding, you're finding a common ground. And we've all walked through a pandemic where a common ground has been established. It's impacted us differently. As you said, in Idaho, your restrictions have been different for a long time than what I'm enduring. But at the end of the day, we all know what pain is and we all know that that can be taken away by what was done on that cross on Calvary. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. And like you said, that, that needs to be the unifying factor, right? Is Christ. I mean, ultimately that's, like you said, that's what the church is about. the great commission. It it all comes back to Jesus and which which is a great transition into the last quadrant, the one that we haven't really talked about. And and this is ones that again, that aren't the hardest ones to lead, but they're kind of, they're stuck in the middle. And, and this, these are the younger long timers or the junior former berries, those that are younger than the than the pastor, but were in the church before the pastor came. Now, again, understanding where these people are coming from, right? They these are typically right, will be the the children, right, or the grandchildren of the elder senior former berries. These are ones that have a family legacy in the church, right? But yet also are ones that probably have been desperately praying for change.
1: Yeah. They wanted the new guy there to help take this new torchbearer.
0: So yeah, absolutely. And now these people though, they are caught in a very tough place because they have obviously deep relationships and long to held relationships with these senior former berries. Right. And even if they're literally even family relationships, right. And yet they, they get more so where they are coming from, but they are also want to side with 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 the newberries right because they're excited about the change and about the what's coming and, and and you know the the next season of the church and so again part of mutually understanding where they're coming from is realizing that they are in a tough spot right because they want to follow you know easily follow but they also again do not want to alienate their parents or those elders that they deeply care for and so actually this i think is the group that you can learn the most from Right? And if, like I said, when I came to Oregon Trail, this group was, the, was very small, right? but that group was really, really important for me to get to know and to listen to the most because they heard the, the true feelings of those senior former berries, right? And they were able to help me navigate around some landmines. Right with those people and, or even knowing who I needed to have conversations with, or, you know, what was going on? Because again, just as we talked about in previous episodes as well, right? When you're the pastor, you don't always hear the truth, right? And the conversation changes when you come in the room and, and there's all those kind of things. And so again, this group, just knowing one part of the understanding is knowing that they're in a tough spot typically. And, but they're also ones that you probably need to listen to a lot. Right. And here, because because they are again, they're they're, you're on a more equal playing field with them as far as age wise. Right. Where you're equal with them or they're younger than you. So they'll they'll have enough respect to tell you what what the elders are actually saying about you. Right. Um, You know, or whatever. So that again, that it's an important group. I need to know uh, one that you need to talk to. But but again, their biggest concern. Right. Is that is it those that they they that the other groups don't get alienated or left behind?
1: Yeah. No, well, they have that. For that reason, they're going to be a connectivity piece. Right. And so uh, as you look at these different things, they have different level of buying. And so, like you said, man, I think to know, <laughs> to get a part of these things and to understand where not only God is calling you, but which role each one of those could play in fulfilling that is such a a unique thing. But I mean I know we've talked about this for years offline and um that's why I already had the book but um you know it is a game changer once you can figure out how to get everybody working together with a kingdom mindset and um you can just yeah look at these things and understand how they can play a role in our church and so hopefully again like if anything if someone's listening to this uh that they would be encouraged by the fact that um, in some fashion, we all go through these things as a church family, but they are all worth it and you can make it through it. But, you know, not spinning your wheels. I know a lot of people don't like to spend a lot of time lost in this, especially in leadership uh, or pounding your head against the wall or whatever you want to look at that. If you can help uh, get into that, man, yeah, I, I'd recommend it. Uh, And so now I have to follow through and actually finish this myself. So I appreciate, you know, you bringing that and reminding us today as a, as a church family, the roles that we all play, why we think differently, and how do we bring that together through mutual understanding and a common ground at which we can continue to push forward. So I love that. I love the fact that Jesus is still the subject in the middle of all of that, right. As they, as they say at, uh, at Anderson, but um, God is good. So thank you for that, Brian. Yeah,
0: definitely. Like I said, hopefully you found something of value. And like I said, I, I do recommend this book. This is, I mean, this is on my top five book list, probably of all time that's helped me in my ministry. Um, and so again, it, the book is How to Break Great Growth Barriers by Carl George and Warren Bird. And so again, you know, find it. Uh, I'm sure you can find it wherever books are sold. And uh, again, it's it's one of the high, highly suggested Uh, and it's been a huge help for me as a leader. Uh, keep pressing on, right? Uh, live out your calling and, uh, again, God is at work in you and in your church. We'll see you next time.
1: God bless. Acts 20,
0: 28. So guard yourselves and God's people feed and shepherd God's flock, his church purchased with his own blood over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. The Acts 2028 Podcast is a broadcast production of In His Grip Publishing. Our theme music is Achievement by Giovanni Bruno. We'd love to hear from you on our social media accounts or through email. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at Acts2028Podcast or send us an email at Acts2028Podcast at gmail.com. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, leave us ratings and reviews, and even give us your email so you can be notified of new episodes. Thank you for listening, and until next time, we hope that you will lead wherever God has put you, and together we can all live out Acts 2028 20, as we serve in the established church.